So, Jer. Yes, Jeremy. What is something that just always kinds of, kind of, uh, you know, kind of sticks in your craw? Something that grinds your gears? What, what, what just frustrates you every time you you have to deal with it? Oh, in what area of life are we talking? Any area of life? <laughs> yeah, any area of life. Oh, oh. <clears throat> Uh, I mean, <laughs> I do. I, I, I do have three teenagers, right? So you know, uh, the expression "I know" that 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 oh. gets gets, oh. gets me going. I know, I know, or or just or just no, feed, I didn't. Or feed no, the I dogs. Know. I know. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I think that one in the personal arena, that one definitely comes up. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Quite a lot. <clears throat> what brought that to mind? Is there so, something sticking in your throat oh, right now, there, my friend? There is. There is. <laughs> Go ahead. For anyone not familiar with the way Southwest Florida works, our, our world here is seasonal, and it's not, you know, spring... Summer, fall, winter. It I is. I feel traffic yes, coming. On. Yes. Traffic. Oh my goodness! It's <laughs> snowbird season, uh-huh. and and so you have these people from all over the the Western Hemisphere coming and flocking, as snowbirds do to our area. <laughs> so in the summer, you can get where you want to go relatively easily. In the last three weeks, I, I swear my travel time has doubled. Triple. <laughs> like tripled, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when you go from an hour to an hour and a half to two hours, and you're just, I, I would say pulling my hair up, but I have nothing to pull out. I, so. it's, it's funny. I'm reminded of, uh, I think it was iRobot, uh, which was a movie we were discussing in our, yes. little, pre, in our little pre-recording meeting here. Uh, I think it was iRobot where um, the Will Smith movie in which uh, they've all switched to driverless cars, you know, to to, to automated I cars, not driving cars. I cannot wait either. I I bow and and welcome our robot car overlords. <laughs> but, uh, but I think it was in the Will Smith thing where, like, if a human were to take over driving, then everything becomes way less safe. <laughs> oh you know? oh yeah. And we're in we're in the messy transition period now because I think I just heard. That because there are there are driverless. I don't know if you're aware of this, but or heard about it. But there are at least two or three companies in the United States right now offering mm. driverless taxi service. I've, I've heard that. Uh, I think I think wasn't uh, the Las Vegas Loop that that whole uh, you know Elon Musk abomination <laughs> supposed to have driverless vehicles I think or something San like that? Francisco is is a place where they I've, have. I it. have I've heard and, that. Yeah, yeah. But I I just recently heard that there was an accident in which a driverless car ran over a person. But what had happened was... They deserved it. The... <laughs> well, uh, funny you should say that. Did they? Really? What, because no. what ended up happening was, uh, and again, this was like, I heard a, a, this was like a secondhand reference in a podcast I listened to, so I have no facts to back this up. <laughs> but from my recollection, which also could be totally faulty, so with all those massive grains of sand I'm throwing over you know grains of salt I'm throwing over my shoulder uh, I'm pretty sure it was like a pedestrian walked into a crosswalk when they shouldn't mm-hmm. got hit by a human driver 
and then knocked into the path of the driverless car who then ran over the person. Oh, my. So there's like this weird domino effect of two human errors (laughs) causing the problem for the driverless car. Maybe, if my recollection is correct... I make no guarantee. But the point but the point I'm making, even if all those details aren't quite right, my point is still that until we have either the vast majority of the cars driving themselves or we still have the vast majority of humans driving, it's going to be messy while there's both going I, on at the same ma'am. time. Uh, that you know that sounds very very Rube Goldian right there. Yes. Little Rube Goldberg machine <laughs> Gold, of Goldberg, death. Yes. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So uh, I'll tell you. Well, it's I, funny you mentioned traffic because you know what this episode's about. Flying cars. Flying cars. Yeah. <laughs> and getting and getting vehicles up to eighty eight miles per hour. Oh yeah. yeah. Which well, you, you don't you, get to do in Southwest Florida no. <laughs> during season. No, no, you 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 do, but it takes a, a tremendous amount of weaving and dad you know, <laughs> darting in and out of traffic or driving on the shoulder. <laughs> oh yeah. Don't do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> ironically though, the third one. There is no traffic. There is no traffic. Yeah, it's all <laughs> so they, horses. They, it's like, ah, for the good old Oh, horse. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? I think so. I think so. Uh, well, welcome to Two Guys in a Franchise. Jer, if you would do me the honor of playing us in. I got my finger on the button. Today, we are talking about Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3 and sequels, trilogies in general as well, because... Yes, we have a little special episode, breaking our normal format just a little bit. We are going to uh, discuss Back to the Future. Now, I have to nitpick a little bit. Okay. It's not Back to the Future 2. Part 2. That's right. Part 2 and Part 3. That's right. right. Forgive me. I give you the opportunity to correct yourself. And you did very well. Thank you. Yeah, you, <laughs> having rewatched Back to the Future Part Two. Uh, well, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I I did not think you held up <laughs> as well as the original. The 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 whole thing of 2015. While well, they they try to make it look like uh, as close to a utopia I, it looks like as possible where everything's futuristic and the giant shark comes down and you know munches on uh munches on marty mcfly i think they tried to push a little too hard the the what they thought the world would be like as far as the cybernetic implants uh, with biff uh the grandson uh and and the hoverboards which of course we have hoverboards but they're not the the ones that float things we yeah, have yeah, are not hoverboards. We, they're, right. They're not no, hoverboards. They, but they do burst into flames. <laughs> <laughs> they do so, not hover. No. They uh, are just two-wheeled, balancey boards. Yeah, they, they, yeah. They just, I, I personally think they called them hoverboards 
just to just to appease drift yeah, off right. just to just to draft off of uh, the Back to the Future desire oh, for yeah. actual hoverboards. Oh yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, although I did find it interesting that Nike did actually make those shoes that that kind of fit to your feet like that. As the self-tying pe- shoes? Yes, yes as an real? homage. Yeah, uh, they were prototypes from what I heard. You know, as I was thinking about Back to the Future Part 2 and the future stuff, I was like, you know, there's, there's for years it's been cliche for mm-hmm. somebody to, right, to right. ask, you know, where's my flying car? I will say, self-fitting self-drying jackets. Oh my god. I would I would be down for that. Now, now especially the, the, living in Southwest Florida where it rains <laughs> a lot. We have but, in addition wait, to wait, in wait, addition wait, to wait, having snowbird on. season, we have wait. rainy season and hold on. I'd wait. be all for that self-drying jacket. So so you you would wear a jacket in summer here? What kind of madman are you? Well, it's a high-tech jacket with like its own little air conditioning system. Great, something else I have to work on now. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. It's a and, whole new market and, and, for technicians. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to kind of springboard off of that self-driving car thing there and and say I, for one, am very glad that they do not have flying cars <laughs> because most people can't handle the barely the, two-dimensional, two-dimensional. <laughs> driving. <laughs> you add a third dimension into it and, yeah. uh, you know, it's just chaos. But... <laughs> I, the the whole 2015 actually felt very cringe to me, you know, to, to steal a word from what my my oldest says. It, it did feel very cringe to me. It did not age as well. And that's probably because we're looking at it from this side of 2015 as opposed to the, the you know, early 90s that we were looking at it then. And we realized then that it wasn't possible. Looking at it from this side, it, it just... It doesn't I, feel as I fresh. Depends, I think it depends on your approach. Okay. I think it depends on your perspective. I think most film critics, you know, with a with like pinky in the air and teacup oh, in their yeah. hand, oh. you know, professional oh. film critics who look at film from the perspective of, you know, plausibility and realism and those yeah. sort of I think I think absolutely you're right, obviously, that it's totally cringeworthy and totally <laughs> ridiculous and everything else. I don't look at it that way. When I watch Back to the Future, I'm not watching it for plausibility. No, I'm watching it for of course funsies. not. And for funsies. I think for funsies, I think it works really well. There was, you know, you mentioned that that you thought there was some utopian aspects to it. Obviously, with the tech, obviously there's there were some gestures there. I found it really interesting that they decided that the neighborhood that is sort of like the um, in the 80s were the was the the up and coming wealthy suburbanite you know mm. nice neighborhood where the mcflies lived very well at the end of part 1 right, of the back right, to the future right. trilogy that that neighborhood by 2015 becomes the ghetto where <laughs> the fact that the fact that young jennifer is brought home in a stupor and the cops are like yeah, well, she lives here. So what? Are, what else are we gonna? You know, <laughs> what do you expect from somebody who, who lives in what was it, Lion Estates? I think maybe. Yeah, you know, yeah. But they were like, well, what do you expect? She's probably just on drugs and and that sort of thing. Then, so I then, found that really you, interesting. You you go to their house and and some of the stuff that they they do have. You know, we do have the the thumbprint voice. or the, and the voice activated voice things activated like that. You know, media. Except for we we call it um, 
we're not going to say the word because it's going to set off somebody's <laughs> somebody's Amazon Echo here. I like, but... I like the tech podcasts who use Shlomo. Shlomo, so yes. Say, hey, Shlomo. <laughs> but, so, uh... but they, some of the other stuff, you know, the, the floating mobility and things like that, you know. Yeah, the, that's right. Grandpa, that's you're right. upside down. Grandpa's <laughs> upside down. That's right. I, but, I found it, the one thing that I found most hilariously backwards was that there was a fax machine in every room. Right? That? <laughs> that he gets fired. and there's uh, By a fax, fax, yes. By fax that spits out you're fired in every room of the house. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> that I find to be ridiculous that, oh, and so I, funny. That, I agree. That they were trying, I think, just to have fun with it. But although a lot the, of it, a although, lot of it did feel although, cringe, Much like we talked about in part one, where I said one of the things that I loved about part one was... Every aspect of the plotting, you know, mm-hmm. from like the flyer that he gets crumpled up in his pocket right, in part right. one that becomes crucial to the rest of the plot. Likewise, the you're fired facts becomes an important little piece of the, you know, of of what I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a lot more later uh, about <laughs> parts of movies that uh, that make sequels work or not. Right. I'll come back to my grand theory. But in the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, the fax becomes an echo, if you will, of the picture from the first movie, because then Jennifer, when they go, you know, when they're mm-hmm. finally at the end of part three or whatever, back to, I, I, I'm going to miss the plotting because there's so much in these movies. But, you know, eventually Jennifer pulls out the piece of paper that said you're fired and that you're fired has disappeared. Yeah. And in that regard, the, the disappearing is good because... That means right, it's not right. fired, you know. But it is a it's it's a it's a nifty little backwards echo from the picture right, that was right, disappearing right. that then had to reappear mm-hmm, when he set mm-hmm. things right. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and move this along because it's we could talk for hours about <laughs> these and and I know we do have a tendency to do that. Uh, but then you move along to the alternate 1985. Yes, which is <laughs> which is uh, an interesting little social play there because they uh i think one of the things that especially thinking about the time period in which this was filmed what was the name of the tower biff's pleasure yeah palace yes yeah, something was like it the pleasure yeah, yes i think it was yeah. biff's pleasure palace maybe <laughs> i'll look and, it up while and, you finish your <laughs> so at the time though it was it was actually uh it was something that played on the fears of the time because if you remember when this was filmed, it was filmed in the the late eighties, early nineties, kind of the the whole idea of the super criminal teenagers and so on and so forth. The super criminal element was becoming part of society, where you know, oh, by the year you know nineteen ninety five, ninety percent of the teenage population will be in prison, kind of thing. I, of course, I'm exaggerating, but then showing this not alternate 1985 where it is complete and utter chaos. You have burned out cars. You have people firing, you know, guns and everything like that at, at the principal, you know, <laughs> former principal or, you know, and then you Strickland have... Strickland with his shotgun. Strickland with his you shotgun. You slackers! Yeah! Boom! Boom! <laughs> Which I'm, I'm... I'm sorry. It was funny. It, it was, was very it funny. Was, yes. Um, but then you... you wind up with this this dark tower 
You know, this, and it, this very ominous tower. Stephen what? King crossover. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you have this dark tower of this very wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man. Biff Tannen's so, Pleasure Paradise Casino and Hotel. Biff you know, Tannen's and, Pleasure Paradise Casino and Hotel. <laughs> now, <laughs> I I don't think it's it's too much of a stretch here. Forgive me if this this does wind up sounding a little political because we are anything but political here. Uh, I I don't remember exactly where I saw it, but I did see that the the uh, story writers actually based Biff Tannen's character off of a very well-known now politician that has a certain flair for audience. Trump. Trump. Yeah, let's say Trump. Okay. <laughs> it's um, Trump. It is. It is. Um, and, and... But remember, because remember at but this at, time, at the time, he yeah, was a pop culture figure. He was. He was. He showed up and he has a credit in Home Alone too. Yeah, yeah. He show, you know, so he yeah. was He was that, that larger than life, very mm-hmm. wealthy, and, and had a, a flair for for somewhat gaudy, uh, you know, decor and things like that. He he owned casinos, things like that, mm-hmm. which that it, it was not that big of a stretch then to take Biff Tannen and and kind of overlay him with a Trump esque sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That I don't know. It, it kind of hit a little bit harder. It took it took a little bit of a hit on the the fun silly factor and made it a much darker film there's a lot more violence in it a lot more violence than in in uh one or three you know and, and the the violence that was there in in part one and three well, so well no 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 I hear mean, me out hear me there's out. more gunplay here he, for well, sure yeah certain it had a much darker feel to it absolutely it was it was i think that, the whole idea was that this alternate 85 was like marty's nightmare yeah, that he had to yeah. wake up from. But if you if you look at the film also, and you see you have this utopia of 2015, where you know justice is incredibly swift, everything is cleaned up and, and very very nicely done. Everything is unless you, and, you unless know, you live in Lion Estates. Unless you live in Lion Estates, <laughs> which. <laughs> so that's where that's so, where I'm not but, entirely but on board no, with the whole utopia thing. But no, go ahead. no. Well, no. If you look at it, the. And if you look at how they actually did the cinematography with it, the 2015, very bright, okay? Most of it happens in the daytime. There is daylight, you know, I mean, granted, they come in on the rain and all that other stuff, and it's cloudy and everything, but there is a distinct bright cheeriness to it, for the most part. And then you have the alternate 1985, which is very dark, very dirty, gritty. Mostly at night. Mostly at night. And... And I refuse to believe that that is coincidence in any way. I think yeah. I think yeah. they did that on purpose, also. Yeah. Sure. To to show the two things that are least likely to happen. Oh, did you notice our homeless guy made an appearance? Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. The, it it was it had to have been very deliberate that they showed that almost black and white image mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in part one, it was a kind of an idealized. Uh, 1955 and a very much reality 1985 the other side of you know and all the 1985 where everyone's living in a very nice house they have a bmw marty has his toyota pickup truck kind of thing um well not everybody but the mcflies but the mcflies (laughs) but uh 
they they did such that such a sharp contrast that doesn't really show up in part three at all. Part three is just honestly, it's just fun, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that that people will give me hate for thinking that part three was honestly one of my favorite Back to the Future films. I will I will oh, love it. You're, you're not gonna get any hate. No here. no no. Yeah. The before we move to part three though, okay. the last thing I want to say about part two is the thing that I appreciate about part two. And the reason why, for me, it still works as super entertaining, to me anyway, there's a general perception out there that when it comes to Back to the Futures, Mm -hmm. there's like, part one is like, amazing, part three is right there with it, and then way down in quality is part two. And that's kind of, kind of, it's a little bit of how, the sense I got from you, or at least, maybe not way down. Yeah, yeah, no. But it's certainly less... The reason that I put them kind of on par, or one of the reasons why, uh, if there's if if it's less enjoyable, it's, it's a, just a slight dip, is because I was so impressed with how much story is told. Oh yeah, yeah. In oh. less than, like what the running time on that thing is just like what about right around two hours? I think. Right. You know, yeah, it is it is a this, very story dense film. It's it really so is. dense. They do so much. I mean, think about right? this. It's like they begin the movie in '85. Doc says, "All right, we got to go back to the future." They go to 2015. <laughs> they go back to '80 to alternate '85. They go back to '55. Yeah. Which with this whole sequence that we haven't even talked about right. in part yeah. two, where you're right, you're right. They go back to '55, and Marty from the part two Marty is inserted into the events of part one in this way that that is so seamless yeah and is so well done for the technology of when they made these movies that you couldn't tell that you know what I mean it was very it's true just amazing very true and I just I love the that whole thing of him like climbing over the stage looking down <laughs> at himself ripping right? on yeah. Johnny be good and all of that okay and fair enough, fair enough. And then after succeeding in the mission in 1955, using all again using all the stuff, you know, the hoverboard comes back into play, and even the streamers of of things that was from the very beginning of the first movie, all of it comes back into play. Then they go back to a regular to restored 1985, only to discover. Doc gets stuck in 1885. You know, I mean, there's just yeah. so much story. And I think that's one of the reasons why, for me, you know, people, when they remember part two, they remember the silliness of the future or they remember the darkness of the alternate 85 Fair point. Fair point. without actually recognizing you don't spend much time in either setting. No, and that's you don't. Why, but you they, know, it's like maybe it 20 is... minutes, something like that. You're in and you're out. And I think the filmmakers are really smart to do that that right, that yeah. because they probably understood that this is not what the future is going this is just this is a this is a lot of this is for silliness sake and right, this, is, right, this right. is probably not what the future is going to look like you know i mean the abolishment <laughs> of all lawyers for instance <laughs> you know i mean that's that's uh... we can but, we can debate the merits yeah. but we're not going anywhere anytime soon but it, at the same time though they those two parts of that film are very very overarching as far as as far as in the construction of the film you know they are two very very distinct themes in it the third quarter of the film you're right that the whole 
integration into the original 1955, I think it's it's easy to forget about that when you're thinking about, you know, because if you bring up, you know, you go to some Joe on the street and you say, hey, Back to the Future Part 2, what, what do you remember about it? Oh, I remember the jaws coming down and biting Marty McFly, you Leo know? Thompson with yeah, big hooters. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Slacker, bother, kapow! You know, that they, they remember that. Yeah. yeah. With forgetting that complete the third quarter of the film there. Yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying, and, and I concede that. I concede that, sir. We need but to move along. We do. We, we do, do need, we to, need move to talk along. about part so, three. Part three. Part three is, is honestly just a fun, it, it's a fun rather family-esque film, you know? Probably more so than the other two. The this second is, one, you yeah, get yeah, into dicey territory you, you with do, little kids. You do. Um, First and third, though, yeah, no yeah, problems. Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. And and I know that the, the whole thing about my favorite part of the film is getting the locomotive up to 88 miles an hour, and then, you know, I mean, they, they have the DeLorean on the rims, on the track, uh-huh. And they're pushing uh-huh. it, and they're 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 stoking the, the 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 locomotive and everything, and and it's the whole thing is just a fun, you know. Uh, well, you know, it, as as you were talking, Wild about West. The, as you were talking about the themes of Part Two, mm-hmm. in terms of and the darkness that it does portray, it got me thinking because one of the like special features talked about how they really wanted to do a western. Yeah, and 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 to bring that back around, then it got me thinking. You know, each part, part one, part two, part three, is really a different genre of film. It yeah. has it oh, has yeah. it has an um, a sci-fi umbrella, right? In the time travel aspect, but really the time travel is just the vehicle. <laughs> the, <laughs> Roll with, credits with, with, wing, with winged doors and a DeLorean, but is the vehicle for. Part one is really a period movie. Mm-hmm. It's a nostalgia movie. Very much a because, nostalgia. Because the vast majority of it, it's in 1955. Right. Then part two is like a dystopian. So it kind of goes from almost right. utopian. Because it's not like Back to the Future part one really addresses in any substantial way the problems with 1955. No. You know? I mean, no. there's there's one nod toward racism with with Goldie being right, a right. shop boy and yeah. the bartender being well, like, you're going to be mayor someday? Well, Whatever. you could start by cleaning up, handing him a broom. But mostly it's about, look at how wholesome 1955 was compared to 1985. But then the but then part two is like dystopian. Yes, like you were yes. talking about like, this is an alternate, the alternate 85 is kind of like all the fears that were fomenting at that time right, in society. Yeah. And then part three is just a straight up Western. And it's an excellent Western. They, they, <laughs> the production design on this movie is gonzo. They built the entire town from scratch. When they when they do that flyover shot, when Marty first comes over the hill and you see Hill Valley right, uh, yeah. you know, being built and you see the, the, <laughs> town, the town hall where the clock is going to be placed and the fact that they're there for the clock to be started is just so such a fun it is detail. it is very very fun but they built all of that practically from scratch to play in to make a western a real authentic western is just it was it's just beautiful it's beautifully shot you know, yeah it is it is and, and done. it's and I, I don't think that the film held any pretense other than just a film where they wanted to have 
fun with it. You know, I oh the I, other can... the other genre is it's a love story. It is a love story. It's a love story for the first. You know, I mean Jennifer and Marty were pre-existent. This is the first time where somebody falls in love, and it gets to be Doc Brown. Doc Brown falls in love, and Christopher <laughs> Lloyd, and and um oh what's her name? Uh, the actress who plays uh Clara. Um oh, oh my god, it, crap. <laughs> Steenburgen, Mary Steenburgen. Oh, yes, yes. Mary Steenburgen and Christopher Lloyd just do such a wonderful job of, you know, portraying love at first sight, like love, instant love, you know, deep yeah, connection yeah. right away, all of that kind of stuff. It's just, a, it's just a sweet, sweet story. Overall, except for the very, very end when, when Doc Brown rolls up on the... the <laughs> <laughs> Almost steampunk locomotive. The I'm Jules like, Verne. The Jules Verne. The time train. You it's... don't like the time train? Okay. Well, I was gonna say I thought they did a really good job with the time train. Y- yeah, but at the same time, when my when my oldest saw it, okay, his idea was, wow, that's kind of cringe. <laughs> but then again, that's that is a fifteen year old's perspective uh-huh, on uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. And, but it it was it was just genuinely a fun, fun, fun movie. Absolutely. I I enjoyed the heck out of it, and as much as as much as part two is that that very different feel from part one and three, I will still gladly watch it mm-hmm. any day. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll watch them all day long. Absolutely. So the only the only piece of criticism. That I want to give to part two and part three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only, the, really, about the only thing I don't like. I'm willing to like just go with the silliness of their 2015. I'm willing to just sort of laugh at the dystopian nature of the alternate 20, uh, 1985 because we know it's not real and then this is just yeah. the thing that they have to fix, right? I can overlook all of that. The one thing that stuck in my craw to go back <laughs> to the beginning of our episode is, are you chicken? <laughs> oh you, the, my god the, 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 the decision they made that Marty's character development you know Doc gets to fall in love which right. is fantastic but for Marty they decided the part 2 and part 3 overarching character development was gonna be getting over this knee jerk reaction to being called chicken Fair enough. And that and that throughout part two and part three, all yeah. somebody had to do was say, Are you chicken? And he all reason goes out the window and he does stupid, stupid stuff. And on the one hand, I appreciate the fact that they wanted character development for Marty and recognized that they needed something to drive transformation in him some way for him to grow and to develop and that sort of thing like for instance in part one it's just he had to sort of recognize i think the growth in him uh, you know the the main growth comes in his dad obviously yeah but i think i think marty learns to appreciate more who his parents are who his family is because mm, in the very yeah. beginning of the movie he's all just sort of whiny about it and I think at the end, even apart from the fact that he got all the cool stuff like the truck, I think he did grow to appreciate his family and his parents more. Certainly. And I think that's his character development in part one. They recognized that part two and part three to work, they had to give Marty something to overcome. Like last time when we were talking about Marvel, we were talking about 
flawed characters right, yeah. who strive to overcome a flaw so as to improve themselves. I'm all on board with that. And I think the idea of not being provoked into doing something stupid and like growing in maturity in that way is great. I think the way they did it there, with there was... like it was like are you chicken became magic words. Right. And that just bugged I, me. Yeah, it was like no, I, come I, on, can seems... we not can we not hit us cheap. as an audience? Can we right. not hit us over the head with the sledgehammer the, of these are the magic words that he has to get over? And, you know, the the thing is, and, and I, I definitely agree with that, there's so much more that they could have done with him, but it would have made him much, much more complex, complex character. You know, his big fear in, in, in the first one is him being a failure. And now he gets to see his father the exact opposite. But you don't see that growth like like that with Marty in the first one. You 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 know they that I think it would have made a much more complex character if they had tried to do that. Well, in part and, one, so much of that fear was really sort of it was subtle. It was oh, yeah, subtly yeah. made. You know, it was it was his concern over the battle of the bands in the beginning. It was. It was his observations of his parents. It wasn't like throughout the movie. Right. They were being like, are you worried about being a failure? No. They didn't keep saying it over and over again. And I think they could have done something similar with parts two and part three. I, yeah, Around exactly. the idea of pride. That's yes. really what we're talking about. Of is course, of pride. course, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like he has this overweening pride where he has to prove himself. And the going to the, to the 2015... When the, finally we learn what happened to Marty is that he his pride uh, came before the fall. So does, you know, yeah. pride cometh before the yeah. fall. His pride did him in, and that was the car accident that ruined his music career. So it became this self-fulfilling prophecy that yeah. because he was so prideful and worried about, you know, to sort of connect to your point about part one, to connect, you know, he was so worried about failure that he failed because mm-hmm, of the whole mm-hmm. pride thing. But it just, yeah, the way they did it was like, oh, come on. Another You're, person yeah. saying, are you chicken? Yeah, that, it, it felt it felt cheap. Yeah. It did feel cheap. And, and I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. As, especially when they could have done more. You know, honestly, if they had gone into part three and just completely ignored that, are you chicken? I don't think audiences would have noticed. I really don't. Maybe not. But Maybe then not. you couldn't. But then the end of the movie wouldn't have had quite the impact at least That's for little true. kids you know That's because true. the end Very of the true. movie is where he avoids the accident that yeah. causes the failure in part two which is which is why i you know part two and part three is really one story told over the course of two movies yeah you yeah. know and for our next segment of this episode, we decided to do something a little bit different, break format a little bit, and just have sort of a generic conversation, a wide, a broader conversation a little bit, since we've just talked about uh, the totality of one of our favorite trilogies, mm-hmm. uh, Back to the Future. We thought it'd be fun to have a, a basic conversation about film sequels, mm-hmm. trilogies, and series. Yeah. In other words, the way yeah, in yeah. which... A movie that is successful then often spawns follow-ups that then, you know, I mean, that is the genesis of a franchise, (laughs) which is sort of the basis of 
this podcast. What I want to do first is I want to present a grand theory of <laughs> sequel trilogy, sequels and series that is sort of the way I think about how film sequels and series can be successful and why they fail. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of my my philosophy of film sequels and series. All right? To explain this, what I think about is every really amazing movie has what I'm going to call, I'm going to coin this, and I'm going to trademark it maybe, mm. identity identifiers. So every movie that has that is just amazing has an identity, and there are identifiers that identify that identity. Okay? okay. So have I said that okay. too many okay. times okay. now? Identity <laughs> identifiers. And what I mean by that is there are the those are the things in a movie that are essentially quintessentially that are that are uh, just that make that movie amazing that when you think about a movie these are like the the cornerstone touchstone mm-hmm. sort of elements to that movie. Okay. And so my theory is that these identity identifiers a good sequel or series returns to many, not necessarily all, but many of the identity identifiers and presents them so that they are recognizable, but also different enough to be fresh, right? So, and so there needs to be, so most of the identity identifiers need to be present, but they need to be different enough to be recognizable. And I think where sequels and series go wrong is where either they don't have enough identity identifiers so that it's just a totally different movie and it could Mm -hmm. be, you know, and it doesn't... In other words, sometimes you hear about, like, a sequel. It's like, well, what makes it the sequel of this movie as opposed to just another movie but plugged into these actors and and Mm. given this title... You know, sometimes movies are criticized that way. Or too many of the identity identifiers are done exactly the same. And then you get the criticism of a sequel where, well, it's just the same movie over again. They're pandering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're pandering. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like for instance, The Force Awakens. Some people criticize The Force Awakens as just a redux of A New Hope. Right. right from, from Star Wars. So this is my theory. And I think Back to the Future does this beautifully. Mm. So let me give you some identity identifiers from Back to the Future just as the example of my theory and then you can then we can talk about the theory in general, all right? So here are the identity identifiers from Back to the Future. And what I love about it is one of the one of the things that bolsters my argument here in my mind anyway is the fact that in the Back to the Future trilogy, Biff backs me up because old Biff in 2015 has that whole line about something about this seems familiar. Mm. And and so what I'm referring to is one of the identity identifiers for Back to the Future is there is a town square board chase. Or at okay. least a town square chase. Right. Right? In part one, it's the skateboard. In part two, it's the hoverboard. And mm-hmm. in part three, there's a horse dragging yes. uh, chase. Yeah, right? Right. Uh, in Back to the Future, there is restaurant bullying and running away. That usually comes right before the town square chase. Right. So in the first one, 
It's um, in the first one, it's in the soda shop in part one. In part two, it's the 80s cafe. Mm-hmm. And then in part three, it's the saloon, right? right? And where there's bullying and then running away. Another identity identifier in Back to the Future, something is wrong with the time machine that requires a creative solution. So okay. in part one, it's the lightning. In part three, it's the getting the train fast enough. Another one, waking up after being knocked out to Leah Thompson in a new time or timeline. In part one, it's 1955, where it's his mom, right. but a teenage version of his mom. In part two, it's the alternate 85, where it's big boob to his mom. Right. And then in part three, it's his ancestor mom that he wakes up to, right? And and okay. thinks that he's having a bad dream. Another identity identifier is the photograph or artifact right. from the future that helps determine whether or not you were successful. So in part one, it was the photograph. In part two, it was the facts. In part three, hmm. it's the tombstone. Right. right? And the, the art, newspaper article, the tombstone. The involvement of the clock tower. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need to explain that one. Biff buried in manure. <laughs> All three movies. All three Biff movies. Biff is buried in manure. A dance is central mm-hmm. to the plot. In part one, it's the encha- in part one and two, it's the enchantment under the sea, although in different ways. In parts yeah. one and two, which yeah. is wonderful, and then in part three, it was the town festival yeah. in which Doc gets to get in on the dancing action. They're they're in little fun ho down there. That's right, that's right. So those, so for me, those are sort of the identity identifiers of Back so- to the Future, and I think the fact that all that whole list that I just made shows up in all three movies, but in all three movies, they're different. They're refreshed. You know, some of it has to do with being in a different time. Uh, well, all of it has to do with being in a different time. But it also is just the the jokes they make of it and the fact that old Biff is like, something seems real familiar about this. I love that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why Back to the Future is so beloved is because when they made part two and part three, they did a great job of doing <clears throat> enough different, like, for instance, a love story, like, for instance... Yeah going darker in in part two but enough of those identity identifiers were there that <laughs> yeah, you, it works you, it you, works they they all tie together now this it sounds great it really does the only thing that i would i would it say sounds great no, 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 always no, no. the beginning yeah, of a but, but. <laughs> <laughs> no it, and it it sounds it it makes perfect sense the only thing i would say is that that works for for series that were not planned trilogies okay for for unplanned trilogies let's let's be real because they i don't think they were planning on making back to the future a trilogy when they did the first film you're exactly right you're exactly right but, you're right my theory you, has to do with my um, theory has to do yeah. with creating new right, new, right. yes you're but exactly with, right but with something like lord of the rings where it was it was oh my god out. we are on the same plane yeah look at my notes look at uh, my notes the next thing under identity <laughs> identifiers on my notes is there are different techniques for series and sequels mm-hmm. and then the first note one story that needs multiple movies lord of the rings lord of the rings we are in the same but we are that on was, the same wavelength. that was you're exactly right that was planned as a trilogy because of the the books being being an actual to trilogy tell, yeah because to it's tell one them. story right right it's one now, story now where this also didn't work in my humble opinion uh-huh. is with something like the hobbit where they took they took a book that was arguably you know a couple hundred <laughs> I am looking at his I'm, notes I'm looking Sorry. at my he's looking at my notes which the next tick mark after Lord of the Rings is one story that stretched into multiple movies and, The Hobbit but but it 
they they took a book that was not very long. Yeah. And granted, it was very story dense, uh-huh. but they stretched it out in a way that it did not flow yeah. like the book did because yeah. the book flowed like a stream. Yeah. It it was it was a very very well done story and then trying to break it off it's like they were just trying for a money grab almost at least that's what it felt like to me as i was thinking about my own theory and thinking about what so i think back to the future did it brilliantly Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think a a a movie that a a movie series that struggled with it with the with my identity Mm -hmm. identifiers theory is the matrix you know, that's funny. I was actually just about to bring up the Matrix here. Because the first so, Matrix movie is just, it's just such an amazing experience and film. And yeah. it was just, it was groundbreaking and astonishing. They, I think I think where the Matrix trilogy failed, honestly, was in the second one as well. I think they tried to duplicate the elements of the original Matrix without creating a fresh version of it they're just it, it almost felt michael bay like where it was just you know let's do explosions just more and, and bigger yeah, yeah more and bigger more and bigger more and bigger and you saw that in that that whole you know uh, uh car chase scene and everything like that you know with the motorcycles and all of that stuff um my opinion it, is the matrix i think a lot of people like hold up the matrix the first one mm, as just amazing yes and then matrix two and three both so, of them are way below the first one in terms of liking yeah. it and the quality and that sort of thing. And my theory is, and this is why I think the second and the third ones are not as successful as sequels or as a, or making a series, is because to me, one of the identity identifiers of the first film was that the real world was was only dipped into very briefly Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. to show how crappy it was before you went back into the Matrix. If you think about the Matrix, the first movie, I want to say, what, 90% of it is in the Matrix. Right. Is inside the Matrix. Whereas parts two and three is more like, it's almost more like 50-50. Yeah. Or or at least like 60-40 real world versus in the Matrix. And there are good story reasons for that. But oh, see, yeah, yeah. But, but what ended up happening was parts two and part three were telling a different story than part one. Because yeah. part one was the story of what is the Matrix and who is Neo. Right, right. Parts right. two and three is what's going to happen to this world and what is Neo's right. part, yeah, yeah, yeah. smaller part in it, right? And that's a much bigger story than than part one was right yeah. and, and and it's and it's a different one and therefore it feel therefore it has a different enough identity I think when I think of the matrix I don't really think of a trilogy right I think of the matrix as a film and then I think of revolutions uh, or what is it it's re- reloaded and rev and revolutions. and revolutions yeah reloaded and revolutions I think of as a duology that it tells one story, That's, and I and because I didn't actually think of it that because way, I will but... watch the Matrix by itself mm-hmm. over and over again. If I watch Reloaded, I have to watch Revo- Revolutions, yeah, because they go together. They tell a story, right? So, and because they wrote yeah. it, they wrote those two films as a story, mm-hmm. and then and now we have Resurrection, mm-hmm. which is again 
its own story. Yeah. Totally separate. So there's there's really and, the Matrix. It's not really. I don't think of it as a quadrilogy. I think of it as three different stories set within one franchise. I definitely agree that those that trilogies have to have those elements that draw from each other in order to make it successful. And there's, I know that there are definitely trilogies where they don't succeed in that at all. One that that did not, in my opinion, yeah, succeed yeah. in Tell that. Me. Was Tron? Oh, Tron! I did yeah, not feel okay. like they, like they captured. I think they're the, making another one right I, now. Yeah, they yeah. they are. They yeah. are, and they've got the ride at Disney. And I don't think it felt as natural, but I think they relied more on special effects than on story. The original one, they they had to rely so much on story because the special effects were in their very very infant stages mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. computer graphics and everything. Well, I think I think one of the problems, and this is an interesting thing about series and, and franchise and these sort of things, I think one of the things that made another Tron movie so challenging was the time in between them. Yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, the yeah. fact that there was, what was it, 30 years, 20 yeah, years? Easily, easily, Between yeah. the first Tron and the second, you know, Tron Legacy, was it? I think yeah. is what it was called. Um, I think that makes it really hard to do a sequel because see most people and and maybe that's the problem is when people think of another movie you know the second movie in a franchise as necessarily being a sequel because i don't think of legacy as a sequel no, to tron no. you know it's not it's just another movie a different story set in the same universe with and it's and, it's, and because of how much time it was it's a different story but because it's a different story most of the identity identifiers from the first one have to be different because the I, I think the identity identifiers have as much to do with story and character elements as it mm. does with things Good like point. special effects and setting and, and that sort of thing. And I think that when you get into a different movie, the identifiers are, uh, you know, are, are changed mm-hmm. so much. So let's, let's get, let's get the list. Okay. So yes, Different techniques for series sequels. We talk about one story that needs multiple movies, mm-hmm. one story that's stretched into multiple movies, which usually seems like a bad idea. <laughs> then I then then I was thinking about series. So then there are uni- a universe unto itself, where a filmmaker creates a universe. So there's like the Wizarding World for the Harry Potter series and the Fantastic Beast series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avatar, James Cameron, you right. know, with his two has now been successful. So now three, four, and five are probably going to come out. Of course, right? Um, Aliens. Aliens is a universe unto itself, that future with the Mm -hmm. xenomorphs and all that kind of thing. They've now had, like, what, five, six movies, at least? Aliens? What's the other one that just just popped into my head was another future forward... uh, Terminator! Yeah. Terminator is like a universe unto itself, right? right? Where there are many, many movies. Then there are series that that swing from serious to campy and Mm -hmm. back. So, in other words, sort of like... uh, what would you say? Like almost a mythology. There's almost a mythology series that within that mythology can stretch enough to have both serious and campy. And I, there are two main ones that come to my mind when I, that, that brought this idea to my mind. Can you name the two? I bet you can. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Star Trek is definitely one of them. No! no. What? Come no. on. 
Oh. Well, I, uh, Star yeah. Trek definitely... Okay. Yes, it, it definitely does... Definitely has swings from... Yes, from that, that does... That's, no, that's, yes. go ahead. What, no, are, you're, what are your examples? I, I retract my no. Okay. You, you are correct. So now there are three. There are three. But the two that came to my mind that made me think about this idea of serious to campy mm-hmm. swings is Batman. Okay. Right? Right. You go from Bur- Tim Burton uh, right. in the 80s to then... <laughs> Joel Silver, the producer and director mm-hmm. from the silly ones with like the Val Kilmer and George Clooney, yeah. and then we swing back to Christopher Nolan and and, and, and the, now the the, dark the Batman, the Batman, and, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the exactly. dark ones, yes, the dark ones. So it swung, that one swung back and forth, and then Bond. Oh yeah, see, I was never Bond. a real big Bond James fan though. Bond. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, as that one, you know, you go from the straight up novel, uh, Ian Fleming novel mm-hmm. adaptations with Sean Connery, which are sort of fairly serious I don't know how serious but you know but fairly straightforward spy movies to then you get into the uh, um, oh I can see his name Roger Moore Roger Moore right. James Bond movies where like he goes to space and <laughs> fights and fights like the silver the silver teeth guy in space as awesome as they were the Pierce Brosnan James Bond mm-hmm. movies are really in some ways quite silly yeah. they're of their time but then, but then you come, then you get to the the new, you know, the latest, the Daniel Craig series, which is its own kind of series, very back to very serious yes. and gritty and yeah. realistic. I I also was thinking about horror franchises. Mm-hmm. There are horror franchises that go from like you think about like the first Friday the Thirteenth movie is like truly you know terrifying in some ways, but then as you get more and more movies in a horror series, they get sillier and sillier until you're just sort of <laughs> laughing at the ridiculousness of them um, but then they try and come back as well right which then brings me to another one which is series that bring back lead characters from the first movie or trilogy or that sort of thing to reinvigorate it so you know you've got your like Star Wars was, Skywalker saga I was thinking, saga, Star, I was know, thinking Star Wars right there yeah in the third trilogy you know you bring back uh, you're, I'm thinking of Again, the horror franchises where, like, Jamie Lee Curtis comes back to the Halloween film series, mm-hmm. or uh, Courtney Cox uh, comes back to the Scream franchise, that kind right, of thing. Right. Then there are series that do gender swaps. You can always you can always get another film in a series with a gender swap. There is the <laughs> Ghostbusters. I was just say, looking at you, Ghostbusters. In its alternative yeah. universe out there. Then there's the next Karate Kid. Yeah, you know, so they did they did the Karate Kid trilogy with Daniel. Mm-hmm. Then there was the next Karate Kid, which was a girl, and then they did the reboot Karate Kid with Jackie Chan and uh, and uh, yeah, Will, Will Smith's, Smith's daughter. Son. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's a, a Change of Time series that that have like long times in between. So then a Change of Time, like so then there was Blade Runner twenty forty nine. There's Indiana Jones mm-hmm. is where like. Uh, each of the Jones movies kind of plug into the, the the historical time frame. Even this latest one, Dial of Destiny, is all you know. They 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 try to connect what's going on with indie with the '60s. You know, when we talk about indie, we'll talk more about that. Top Gun Maverick, right. Logan is another one. The X Men, where they they jump the X Men way into the future, mm-hmm. so that's a way to extend a series. Then there's a, a change of location with the same formula. So the Karate Kid two does basically the same thing as the Karate Kid one, but they move it to Okinawa. Right, um, right, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Die Hard two, <laughs> Die Hard in an airport. You know, right. instead of a building, it's an airport. Indiana Jones, in some ways, you could argue, is 
and formulaic get... with different locations. A little less so with that one. Uh, series that are rebooted with new casts. So the Kelvin universe in Star Trek. James Bond. The mm-hmm. fact that we get new Bonds every so often. Uh, the Karate Kid, as I described. And then there are series that just sort of do the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And so that's like James Bond. Um, I think in some ways John Wick uh, is kind right. of like that. You know, with the, with the balletic violence, that sort of thing. So that's what I came up with. You know what? That That is pretty doggone comprehensive right there. <laughs> <laughs> I spent more time than I probably should have thinking about this. How about you? Did you come up with any, like, best or worst series or sequels or that sort of thing? You, you know, we, we actually talked about all of the ones that... that because, like I said, it was that was very comprehensive. The sequels and series uh, that that stand out in my mind. The only one that I didn't I didn't hear in all of that uh, was one that is is a very unconventional trilogy, and that's the Simon Pegg uh, that the uh, Cornet Cornetta uh, trilogy, which um, they they include the same characters but in widely different roles. So, have you seen Shaun of the Dead? No. no. Oh, I'm familiar. Have with you it, but seen I Hot seen Fuzz? It. Then I have not. I know exactly so, what you're talking about, but I've never seen the film. So there's there's this whole trilogy, and basically the only thing that really ties them together is the same actor and a Cornetta ice cream, so that they get oh. from the shop. So okay, um, right. they, that they, sounds yes. like a fun franchise it, for it us is, to look. It is a Look very, a very fun franchise that is not a typical trilogy. Right, right. Because, I mean, there is, there's almost nothing connecting Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, right, you know, right, together, at right. least like that. So, uh, other than the, the characters... and one, one set, of, one, one uh, element yeah. of the setting. So it's, it, but it's a very, very fun set of films. Yeah. Um, and, and... You could almost call that like an Easter egg troop series. <laughs> Almost, yeah, yeah. So, but that those those are really, you know, we we hit on almost everything that I've found. It makes a good trilogy or a good sequel, mm-hmm. good series, but also what kills them too, and where you see that they're trying too hard for something, and that's there's nothing I hate more in the media that I consume when I see someone trying too hard for something you see that in the in the, the the mass media that people consume now tiktoks and and youtube and stuff like that they try too hard to go viral mm. and they they it it seems like with a lot of hollywood they try too hard to have that viral movie it's sad because they kill good stories that way too mm. but at the same time they can hit on something where they they elevate a story to something that you know what wow that that is actually a world that i would want to be a part of kind of mm-hmm. thing you know mm-hmm. that is my ideal fantasy world we're pretty comprehensive Any, uh i've got more oh <laughs> i don't know if we have time for this jared right, so so best series uh-huh i'm gonna put in toy story good one yeah because name a bad toy story movie lord of the rings oh uh, the best amazing best sequels Classically, nerds look to Empire. Um, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man 2. Yes. Amazing sequel. Like, most people point to it as better than the original. The, the funny thing is, I watched number two in theaters before I watched number one. 
Oh, yeah? Yes. Lucky yes. you. Well, I'm... maybe unlucky you. I'm not sure. <laughs> Depending on how you look at that. Uh, the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. So of the Nolan Batman trilogy, right. Dark Knight is often, if not always, uh, heralded as one of those sequels that outdoes the original. Terminator 2. Judgment Day. Oh, definitely you know, better than the original. That was, that was one where they used the time that elapsed between the first one and the second one to really uh, take advantage of new technology. Yeah. You know, the liquid metal mm-hmm. uh, Terminator. T2 is just amazing. Worst sequels, Speed 2. Remember the, Speed 2? No, I don't. On the, purpose. And that's the reason. On yes. purpose, yeah. Speed is such an iconic, wonderful it action is. movie. It is. Speed 2 was one of those where they tried too hard. And I'm pretty sure that Sandra Bullock has been public about the fact that she only did Speed 2 in order to get another movie greenlit, even though she knew it was terrible. And I think the reason was they they understood the identity identifiers, but, tr- but, but didn't do it right. A romance under intense circumstances, but they just swapped out Keanu Reeves for another guy. Right. And then they swapped out the bus for a cruise ship, which is just too weird. Bad rap sequels. Second movies in series that get a bad rap, in my opinion, and I think this is pretty true, in my opinion, get a bad rap because the first movie was so good, there was no way the second one was going to live up to it, and so gets a bad rap, even though if you look at it apart from the first one, it's a good movie. Iron Man 2, Back to the Future Part 2, Last mm-hmm. Jedi, I think, gets a is, yeah, is that yeah. kind of falls in that. Did, did you look like you had an idea? Matrix. Matrix. Oh, yeah. all right, interesting. Yeah. Well, okay. the first one, like like we said, it overshadowed. You know, it, it was just such a it good is such story an iconic that film. the second the yeah. second one you have to take it as 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 a separate story. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, although yeah. there were other reasons why I did not like the film, I would not have liked it so much even as a separate story. Just personally, we, the the last one. The most uneven series, got to be Star Trek. As you talked about, you know, oh, Star Trek yes. is infamous for like its odds and evens. Yes. The fact that the odd numbered movies tend to be bad, whereas the even numbered movies tend to be amazing. And you know, because if you think about it, Star Trek the motion picture, most people think is crap. Star like Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, like best film ever for most. For so many people. Right. Star Trek 3, the search, search for, for Spock, Spock yeah. is a little like... Yeah. <laughs> Star Trek 4, the voyage home. 80s, you know, putting that putting is... Kirk and Spock in the 80s. Amazing. Amazing, yeah. 5, uh, the final frontier. Yes. God. <laughs> Star Trek and God. Odd uh... uh, bedfellows. Uh, Star Trek 6, the undiscovered country. Peace and dealing with their aging and everything mm-hmm. else. The last original cast. Awesome. Star Trek Seven was Generations, and I, I, I you know what I, I think, think that I think, bucked the trend. I think it's a little bit of one of those bad rap sequels. You know, I think because so, I, I kind of dig it. Generations, but Eight uh, is uh, First Contact, amazing. The Borg on the big screen, you know, and right. then Nine is um, Insurrection, with most people are disappointed with, even though I think I yeah, I, I, I already know your in a previous yeah. one, and yeah. I love it. You know, and then uh, and then ten is Nemesis, mm-hmm. which kind of sucked. So and it's an even yeah. number. So you know. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I. So yeah, so it kind of falls apart near the end. But the idea of most uneven series, I think Star Trek yeah. gets the gets the win yeah. there. Yeah.
So, Jer. Yes. In, in the interest uh, of, of continuing on with our sequel and trilogy, I, I have a fun little quiz here for you that I'd like to do. Quiz and, me. Yeah, you know, we have this thing about quizzes here. And, you know, it's great because it means that one of us can lord over the other because one of us has the answers and the other does not. We get to embarrass. <laughs> very, very classic friend move. We get to embarrass right. each other on a regular basis. <laughs> As if we don't do that to our children already. <laughs> this is specifically what movie does not belong in this trilogy? Ooh. So, right. 15 questions. It gives us three minutes. I... I Okay, Lord of the Rings. A, An Unexpected Journey. B, The Two Towers. C, Return of the King. D, Fellowship of the Ring. And if you get this a. wrong, okay, there we go. Robert Langdon Trilogy. This one is, is an interesting one. Oh, oh yes. okay, all right, all right. The Lost Symbol, Inferno, The Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons. It's B. B. Oh, The Lost Symbol. Was I right? No. No. It was the first one, Lost Symbol. Oh, okay. Star Wars prequels, <laughs> and I just saw this one here. Uh, Attack of the Clones, Battle Frontier, Revenge of the Sith, and the Phantom Menace. <laughs> oh, B. B, are you sure about that? You're finally pretty answer. sure, yeah. Okay, The Naked Gun. Oh, goodness, all right. Naked Gun, two and a half, The Smell of Fear. Naked Gun, Police Squad. Naked Gun, 33 and a third, The Final Insult. Naked Gun, From the Files of Police Squad. Think, all right. Hit me, hit me one more time. I think it was Naked Gun Two and a Half: The Smell of Fear. I think that's the one that's not. I think that's made Is up. Is that what you were? Okay. I think that's my answer. Final answer. Final answer. It was wrong. It was Naked Gun Police Squad. Oh. I knew the answers to that one. Okay. The Austin Powers trilogy. Okay. All right. Here we go. International Man of Mystery. Uh huh. The Mystery Begins. Gold Member or the Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, it's the second one. All right. Good one. Good one. Dollars Trilogy. We're going into Spaghetti Westerns here. The Dollars Trilogy. Oh, yes, my goodness. Yes, yes. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. For a few dollars more. Once Upon a Time in the West. And a Fistful of Dollars. That's B again. Wrong. No? A Few yeah. Dollars More? Uh, yeah. Was a real movie? <laughs> yes. Oh, all right. Which one was oh. that? <laughs> what was that? What was the right answer? It, it went back here. Let me... Oh, man. Uh-oh. Uh, so sorry. It no, it went it went by too fast. Okay. It was the third one, by the way. Oh, okay. So, uh, once upon a time in the West. Oh. Yes. That was okay. The Vengeance trilogy. <laughs> Die Hard with a Vengeance, Lady Vengeance, Old Boy, and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Well, obviously the first one. All right, there we go. Mexico trilogy, Desperado, The Road to El Dorado, El Mariachi, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Go D. D? Oh, The Road to El Dorado. Oh. Oh, the Before Trilogy. I don't know this one. Oh, is this Before Sunset? Yes, yeah. uh, Before Night Falls, Before Sunset, Before Midnight, and Before Sunrise. It's A. A? All right. The Dark Knight Trilogy. The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins, or Batman Forever? D. D? Okay. And that was it. Ooh, I didn't do too bad. No, maybe, you maybe got 30... Got s- well, it says 33%. I don't know if I believe that or not. 33% wrong? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that was right. You yeah. got 33%. That was fun. Yeah. All right, that was good. So I've never heard of some of those series, so now maybe I have to look them up, watch them. 
<laughs> like, what's the Vengeance series? I've never heard of that. No, neither have I. Uh, it is time for our last segment, the Wheel of Random Episode Selection. I put that in there. You don't have to put that in there. <laughs> yeah, I do. Because <laughs> now am I going to echo on the echo, 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 echo? You better. Oh, all right. <laughs> Jerry, you got the wheel ready? I have the wheels ready. We have two wheels this time. Two wheels this time. Yeah, our next episode, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be about the franchise Teen Titans Go. Teen Titans Go. So we're going to go to our wheels... And I have a, I have two wheels. I have one wheel that has season one through season eight of the TV show, the animated show Teen Titans Go. Plus, I've got Teen Titans Go to the movies. Yes. And Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans the movie. That's all on our first wheel. Is, is it wrong that I have actually watched both of those movies and most of the <laughs> no, series. No, it okay. is not. It's okay. not wrong at all. All right. All it's, right. it's a good thing. Remember, yes. we love our franchises here at yeah. Two Guys in a Franchise. <laughs> so I'll spin the first wheel. If it lands on a season, then I will spin the second wheel and we'll determine which episodes of the Indeed. show we will watch. So here we go. Spinning the first wheel. Season four. <laughs> we get to go to season four. So I get to go to another wheel. Now... Because Teen Titan Go episodes are, I think, like, like six minutes six long. Six or seven minutes long, yeah. Each episode, can each, uh, each like, half an hour showing or presentation has of the Teen Titans Go. Has three of them Go in there, yeah. Has, like, three of them in there. Yeah. So, but they're labeled, each of the little six-minute vignettes are labeled as an episode. Yeah. So each season has something like 55, 50 to 55 episodes in it. So I have divided the wheel into five episode chunks. <laughs> so we will be able to watch. So we'll watch either like episodes one to five or six to ten or eleven to fifteen, just to just to give a nice little flavor, uh, the insouciance, as it were, yeah. of uh, Teen Titans Go. So here we go. I'm going to spin the wheel, and we'll see which episode chunk we will watch. Episodes twenty one to twenty five. I think this is the first time we've spun the wheel and it wasn't like the very beginning of a yes, season or yes, the very end yes, is, both of them are <laughs> know, right in the middle which right? is really fun <laughs> season four episodes 21 to 25 of the yes. show teen titans go currently streaming on max if you have streaming services or available probably somewhere else i don't know Well, it has been fun. It has been real. Ain't been real fun. No, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> it's been long. Uh, it's been long. And I would love to have you continue to join us and join in our conversations at Two Guys in a Franchise. You can do so by going onto our website, twoguysinafranchise.com. That's all spelled out. T W O G U Y S. A-N-D-A-F-R-A-N-C-H-I-S-E 
dot C-O-M. <laughs> that last bit, very important. <laughs> very important. Uh, or you can email us feedback, F-E-E-D-B-A-C-K. All right, now you're just going off. <laughs> Two guys in a franchise.com. Let us know what you think, and we look forward to seeing you again with us. Have a very nerdy week. Oh,